All righty, folks. Welcome in. Welcome back. It's another episode of Polar FC hosted by Polar Media. We're back again at our, I guess, normally scheduled time. This is a pretty, pretty normal time for us to be doing our thing. Uh, we got Chris, we got KO, we got myself, Jacob, and uh, we're going to talk to you a little bit as we always do. Um, and today, I think our, our focus is going to be on upcoming Euro 2020. So, you know, we've, we've talked about it before, at least with our international uh, allegiances, um, kind of what we're excited for. Uh, but today we'll probably take a little bit deeper of a dive into some of the different groups who we think is going to uh, come out of those maybe. and then. Also, who we think has a shot to win it all. Um, I'm excited. Uh, obviously, this will be my first uh, Euros where I'm, I'm following closely. So I'm excited. Um, but yeah, look, looking forward to our episode today. Chris, Kara, how are you guys doing? Well, I'm still riding high over um, over Sunday night's uh, big win that we talked about in our last episode. And if anyone listening has had a chance to hear that, we break that down in detail on our previous episode. So give that a listen, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is you're listening to us. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I'm excited about the Euros. I mean, Euros are a competition that are really close to me because, um, of course, one of the only times when one of my teams has won uh, a title in my lifetime was Greece winning Euro 2004. I know that's been a while ago. Um, I still like to uh, joke about it when if Portugal does something. Uh, so I might do that later in the month. Stay tuned. Um, but that's basically, um, you know, a big part of the reason why I like it. Um, and, you know, just being a fan of European soccer, I think it's not nothing compares to the World Cup, but it's like, you know, something to hold you over in between World Cups. And, you know, I'm really excited to see it get underway. Yeah, that's probably the best way that I'd sum it up, too. Uh, it's like a little warm-up to the World Cup, um, and, and we get a little taste of uh, how each nation is doing in, in Europe. And, you know, we get a chance to look at, for the first time, these young stars that we've seen play for clubs, you know, how are they going to perform on a national scale? Um, we've seen greats like uh, Ronaldo succeed, and we've seen greats like Messi struggle, you know? So we'll see how um, these young stars kind of finally get a – when they get a chance to play uh, on a national scale, we'll see how they perform. I know a lot of eyes are probably going to be on France. A lot of eyes are going to be on Spain, Germany with the really young team. So we'll see if the traditional favorites are going to still keep the wave or is going to be an underdog or, you know, an unexpected team like we had seen last time with Portugal. So again, I'll echo what Chris said, you know, pretty excited to, to kind of have it all go down this summer and uh i think this is probably like a, a nice segue back into every you know sporting event going back to reality after covid so it should be fun yep yep definitely excited as we were saying before i know i've said this before it's fun to see some of the best players some of the big names play with different clubs play with uh you know different supporting casts i always find that entertaining i think that's a really cool kind of aspect of soccer that you don't really get um, in the same way in other sports, especially in American sports. I know, I guess, you know, they'll have all-star games, really only one game. So not really the same 
<coughs> excuse me, effect of, you know, playing on an international squad and really having that true team experience with all different players than your normal club team. But without further ado, we will get right into our discussion of the groups. So we got six groups coming up here. We'll start at the top of the alphabet with group A. Uh, so group A is made up of Italy, Switzerland, Turkey, and Wales. Guys, what do you think? No takers. Uh, I was waiting for Kaor to start talking. Um, <laughs> all right. All right. Well, that's uh, life uh, doing stuff on Zoom 15 months later, and it still feels weird for everyone. Um, uh, on that note, uh, for me, I would have to say that I would have to go with Italy here. Um, this is an Italy team that's gotten a lot younger and a lot more dynamic over the last few years uh, from when the program kind of hit a lull program. It sounds like I'm talking about college sports, but um, ever since the uh, national teams were hit a lull, uh, underperforming uh, relative to what we've come to expect from Italy. Um, I think that it's Turkey and Switzerland are both going to give them runs for their money. I think uh, Turkey in particular have looked very impressive uh, in qualifying in the Nations League. Um, so I don't think this will be a cakewalk of a group for Italy, but if I had to put my bets now, I would put my bets on Italy to win the group. Yeah, I'll probably, um, you know, stick on the train of Italy as well. Um, they've, you know, completely grown into this team that has quietly but you know quickly become one of the unsung heroes of the Euros um, and you know back in the day we we had Italy kind of be favorites alongside with other nations but um, you know recently we never had somebody kind of step up for them but now as a, as a team as a whole we've seen young stars um, you know excel in the Serie A but at the same time you know take take it um, into international football as well with Italy. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they perform, if they can keep up with all the expectations. And uh, as Chris mentioned, you know, we still have Turkey and Switzerland, who Switzerland, I don't know if you guys have seen, but they've been beating all teams by like six or seven goals. It's remarkable. And uh, for a team like Switzerland to kind of keep that momentum of play and keep that form, it should be very uh, rewarding when it comes into the Euros and, Turkey, you know, we we talked about them early on in the summer when they were, you know, we were able to pull off some upsets. So we'll see if they can pull some off during the Euros. And Wales, I think they're kind of hanging on by a thread. Uh, Wales are like the perfect definition of Gareth Bale's career. You know, you, they had so much potential, but then uh, at some point they, you just forgot about them because there were so many other good teams and so many other good players. So um, they're just there. I don't know how they made it in, but there. Well, I mean, uh, say what you want about Gareth Bale, but, you know, he's probably a, a huge part of the reason why. But I, I, re I still remember that run. I mean, that whole Euro 2016 tournament it felt kind of weird. Um, part of it was the new format where a lot of third-place teams made it. It was a round of 16. And uh, honestly, I kind of didn't like it. I kind of liked it better when it had the 16-team format. Um, but I remember when Rails, Wales made that uh, push, and I think they made it all the way to the semis before Portugal was able to stop them. Um so that'll be uh, something interesting to watch for sure. But um, I feel like the way the tournament format is set up, it gives you a lot of second chances, gives you um, a lot of chances to sort of, you know, if you're an underdog, sort of strike gold at the right time and go on a run. Uh, so if, if a dark horse comes up, it'll be interesting to see who that'll be. 
Yeah, speaking of that, I, I'm I'm gonna go. I think uh, I really do think that uh, the Switzerland team has a chance to be that dark horse to go and make a difference. Um, I think that this group isn't too challenging for them. I think they have a chance here to get out on the right foot. Um, I'm not I'm not 100% sold on Italy yet. I think they they could contest them for the top spot in that group. Um, I think that the, the Switzerland team has a good chance of, uh, you know, getting out on the right foot, moving in the right direction, beating a couple teams, which, you know, obviously aren't bad, but not, not quite the caliber of some of the other teams we'll talk about today, in my opinion. Um, and I think if, if a club like that, all right. Yeah. Club. Look, I'm messing up the names too. If a team like that, if a nation like that can get out to a good start in a tournament style play like this, I think that that can make a world of difference. Yeah, right. I think you're spot on, but I think this is going to be one of the more competitive groups uh, because I think Switzerland and Turkey are both teams that if they were in another group, I would probably pick them to win. And I mean, they still might. Um, right now, though, I'm going to go with the traditional bet, though. So that's my pick for Group A. Okay. Well, we will move on to Group B here. Uh, with Group B, we have Belgium, Denmark, Finland, and Russia. KR, you want to start this one off for us? Sure. Um, you know, I think a lot of times this team is – always has high expectations and sometimes they kind of fall. I know this kind of happened in the World Cup in the previous years as well, but I'm really thinking that Belgium can finally make a stance in this um, Euro campaign. Um, just because I think everybody on their team right now is probably in the best form or, or at the peak of their careers. Uh, hopefully, you know, Kevin De Bruyne, who suffered an injury during Champions League, can come back and, and you know, be that leader of the team that they want him to be and Overall, I think this team can can succeed because of the different style of play they're probably going to bring and the talent that they have on their roster compared to, you know, Finland, Denmark, and Russia. Um, don't get me wrong. Those are, you know, obviously qualified nations to compete in the Euros, but I think when it comes to, uh, you know, the matchup on paper, Belgium obviously gets put at a higher regard than all three of those nations. Um, I think... Denmark is probably the closest one that can give them a run for their money. Um, Finland has a few, you know, players, but I don't think as a team as a whole, they can kind of take on the attacking pressures of Denmark or Belgium. So it'll be an interesting group, but I think um, if Belgium doesn't win, they should probably come out the biggest, you know, surprise or shock in the whole tournament. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm still pretty high on Belgium, honestly. I think that um, you know they're poised for a bounce back in this tournament. Um, I will say this, though. Um, I don't think we're giving enough credit to Russia here uh, for the sole purpose of remember what they did in the World Cup. Um, you know, they're not a team that has a lot of big, big names. Uh, no one you'll really see in like a Champions League final or something of that caliber. But the, at least if 2018 was any indication, I know a lot can happen in three years. Uh, but the sum uh, in that tournament was a lot greater than uh, the the whole of it was a lot greater than the sum of their parts. I got it right the second time. Um, and uh, I, I think that they could be one of those uh, countries to be on the dark horse. But in terms of a favorite, I think it's 
pretty much Belgium's uh, group to lose, honestly. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with with the flow here, say Belgium as well. Um, I, I don't know how much further they'll go after the group stage. I think that in, in my mind, Bel- Belgium is uh, a nation that they've done well, especially given their size and like given their, I guess, maybe perception. They've, they've done incredibly well, and, but I feel like they've underperformed with the talent that they have. I think they have an incredibly talented roster, um, and I think they've underperformed given just the, the amount of star power, the amount of great players that they have between Hazard, Lukaku, De Bruyne, um, you know, defenders that are now aging, but guys that were once at the top of their class, uh, Vertonghen, Alderweireld, like guys, just guys that are, are really good. Uh, I, I know they're aging out of it now. Um, and I think that's maybe one reason why I, I can't see it going, them going too much uh, further, but I, I definitely see them winning this group and, you know, hopefully De Bruyne can come back and, and be a, a difference maker on that team. But uh, I don't know. I'm going to need some uh, some real conviction kind of to overcome maybe some of the fog that they may have been in. That's fair. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of teams like that uh, flame out. It seems almost in every international competition there's one, um, you know, whether it's um, trying to think again, like Germany in 2018, uh, 2014, it was Spain. Um, you know, they, it feels like there's always one team that on paper looks really good and they just sort of flop. Maybe that's Belgium this tournament. I don't know, but I, I do get where you're coming from, Jacob. All right. Let's move on to Group C here. So Group C, we have Austria, the Netherlands, North Macedonia, and Ukraine. Any thoughts, guys? Or is it just going to be uh, – it might just be the ghost of David Alaba holding up Austria. I was going to say, there's not much to <laughs> be excited so about in this group, huh? <laughs> I will say the Netherlands The Netherlands does excite me a little bit. Um, I, could, I could see them doing a little bit of something. But, yeah, it's definitely definitely one of the, uh, one of the not, not as exciting groups. Yeah, I was going to say, um, you know, the Netherlands have been probably the, the team that's declined the most, not even making the World Cup in 2018. Um, 2016, I'm, I'm blanking on what they did in the top, but they, they didn't really seem to do much in that tournament, uh, if I remember correctly. Um, and, you know, um, they're due for a bounce back, I think, but um, they haven't really shown me anything to convince me that they're capable of it. Um, so I think Austria – um, to make a real uh, push for this tournament, honestly. Um, and I think that, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they sort of shape out. Um, you know, we also see, I think they're the, the um, League D winner, North Macedonia, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's how they got in because um, they were not in the initial field when they still had to get some qualifying in. So it be interesting to see if they can maybe steal a point or uh, do something uh, a little unexpected, but um, you know it's always nice to see a couple of the smaller countries in there for sure. Yeah, always fun to see a country that you may have never heard of, may not be able to point out on the map. 
go up against the big dogs. Always fun to have kind of that that underdog uh, mentality. And and in soccer, you know, a lot of the games are are the, I, I think as compared to some of the other sports, especially with scoring. It's really easy for an underdog to hang in there for a little bit. I mean, when you think about, you know, basketball, when you think about even football where, you know, teams are scoring much more often, I think it's a lot harder for underdogs to stay in. But, you know, if you have uh, a, a kind of a, a good defensive performance, if the other team is a little sloppy, if your keeper can come through and keep you in the game, I really think that soccer is – one of those sports where, um, you know, there's always a chance, you know, if you get an early goal, if you're able to defend even just like one goal, one mistake can lead to that goal that, that sets the difference. So that's why I think it's, it's always fun to see these underdogs in and, you know, see them have a chance as well. And you're looking at the ultimate underdog story. Uh, um, was it was uh, Greece in 04, like I mentioned before. So, um, you know, if they can do it, anyone can. So, um, yeah, yeah, like you said, it's kind of like seeing those 15 and 16 seeds in uh, in uh, March Madness, um, sort of like a similar vibe. Yeah, and I was going to say, I, th- I feel like the underdogs in this tournament, just in the nations that have been made, have made it and don't have any expectations going in, they're probably placing the groups that they'd likely mo- have the most success, right? Um, <clears throat> we'll get to this group later on, but I think the the um, members or the nations in Group F shouldn't be in the same group, but uh, because they are, it gives a lot of advantage to all these other teams that might not have been at the top five or ten places, you know, on many people's leaderboards. So um I think it's all kind of up for grabs, uh, up for grabs. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if anybody does, you know, make it farther than they're expected to at a group stage and maybe even further. Yeah, and you know what makes it interesting real quick before we move on to group D is um, because four of the six uh, uh, third place teams uh, make it uh, into the knockout round, you know, it, it's a lot easier for a team like, you know, North Macedonia or even, you know, some of the, lesser underdogs like um you know finland or um i'm trying to think of who else like ukraine or or, or those kinds of countries um you know it's interesting to see um you know more of a path for them now than there usually is um so you know could we see teams playing more conservative as a result of that more playing for ties if you're the underdog i don't know uh that'll be something uh that will be interesting to watch as the uh, group stages go on but that's also a factor to keep in mind in this. Yeah, Chris, that's a great point. Uh, moving on with Group D here, we have Croatia, Czech Republic, England, and Scotland. Uh, guys, any thoughts here? I think this is probably one of the most uh, interesting groups, at least in my uh, mind. We have, you know, England, probably the clear favorite in the group. Um, someone who I think can really, you know, make a name for themselves in this tournament and, and kind of get the respect that a lot of people have been kind of um, seeing if they deserve for the last couple of uh, tournaments and, you know, World Cups and Euro tournaments. But um, I think you still have competitors like Croatia and Czech Republic who can kind of keep them in check. Um, well, no pun intended there, but 
they can uh, they, they, they can kind of put the pressure on England. And we know England is one of those nations that kind of crumbles under pressure too. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they cope with it. And um, if they do, I do expect them to do it in a dominant fashion just because of, again, the players on their team right now, I think are, again, in the peak of their career. So it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back and, and how they kind of finally perform the way they've been probably – slated to perform for the last 10 to 15 years. I, I have to be the one to ask this question now that we've reached this stage of the, of the group by group breakdown. Is it coming home? Kaylor knows what I'm talking about. Football's coming home. I don't know. <laughs> it's, maybe it never is, you know, like that. I, I, I hear that line every single time during a World Cup or the Euros, and it's like, oh, group exit or round one exit. And this is the old England. This is the new England. The old England has become the new England, right? And well, I don't know. I feel like um, it's almost become their nature at this point. So I hopefully comes home. I'm sure I, I know a lot of uh, foreigners uh, in the United Kingdom are waiting for it to come home. So we'll see. All right. Yeah, certainly, certainly an interesting dynamic there. I think, at least in my mind, the Premier League undisputed top league in in Europe. Um, though maybe there's some argument there, but I think everyone can agree that it is among the top couple, if not the top one. But you know, internationally, not quite the same success. Um, so you have to see. I mean. Obviously, the, every year, every year, there's more young players that get involved for the most part for most of these international clubs. And there's a chance to try to uh, rewrite some history, take your team in another direction. So it'll certainly be interesting. I think, you know, Croatia is a team that I think, um, like uh, Chris had mentioned, does uh, perform outside of the sum of its parts. Uh, I think they're a, a, just a good overall team that can play together well and compete at a high level. So they should, and I hope they do give England a run for their money, even with, you know, less star power per se. Uh, so we'll definitely have our eyes on that one. Uh, moving over to group E, we have Poland, Slovakia, Spain, and Sweden. Yeah, this is another one of those groups that, um, you know, I mean, Spain, um, pretty clearly the favorite, but outside of that, it's kind of a free for all. Um, so I think, you know, the battle for second and third place and, you know, getting into the knockout stage, um, that's going to be something for me to watch pretty keenly. Uh, I know Zlatan not playing uh, in the, this tournament uh, for Sweden. Um, so that's obviously a big loss for them, but they've got some, some other talented players as well. So, um, you know, I, I expect Poland, uh, uh, with a uh, certain uh, striker who happens to play in the Bundesliga, uh, leading them to, uh, uh, you know, make a push. Uh, so they'll be interesting to watch. But, yeah, for neutral fans, this is one of the better ones because it seems kind of all over the place in terms of how it could turn out. Yeah, Chris, I agree. And and you, that you bring up, uh, of course, the best uh, number nine in the world, Robert Lewandowski. And it is interesting to see just how much of an impact players can make. You know, we see 
star players perform on their club teams. And especially in this case, you know, it's, it's undisputed that it's, the talent around him at Bayern is much better than that uh, around him when he goes to his national team and plays for Poland here. So it's always interesting to see what the players are able to achieve um, when things get shaken up like that, when, you know, the surrounding cast isn't nearly as impressive. So it will be, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I'm just hoping that he doesn't uh, get injured. Well, are you fun? No, I understand. I, I, I understand that, but you know, if I were you, I'd want him to win the Euro. But well, I mean, besides Germany, of course. But yeah, you know. I, I I think um, Poland honestly might be able to win this this uh, group um, with the way they've been, you know, slowly but surely getting better. I remember watching them in the beginning of the summer when the friendly started. They weren't on, you know, they weren't looking like a really good team. Everything was kind of falling apart. Lewandowski gets the ball and just goes like 10, 20 feet over the goal. Um, so I think if they can, you know, compete with Sweden and Slovakia, who are probably, I would say, um, they can. They just have just that slight advantage. And again, that advantage is probably Lewandowski. Um, they can do it. And, you know, as for Spain, I think Spain has had its um, moments and they've... Um, Clearly, they've got a loaded roster compared to the other three teams on this group. But um, I think they're out of every nation that I've seen so far this year, the biggest question mark definitely lies within Spain, just because of you know they're not the Spain that they used to be. Many of Spain's talent would come from La Liga, right? And we haven't seen um, Barcelona and Real kind of perform at that peak level where many of the Spain stars would come from. So um, I think, listen, Spain obviously has stars around the world, you know, in other leagues. But when it comes to, uh, you know, a national tournament, it'll be interesting to see if they can all click together. And, and if they can, by all means, I'm pretty sure they can win the, the group here. But again, I wouldn't sleep on Poland so much. All right. Well, last but certainly not least, we have Group F. Group F consists of France, Germany, Hungary and Portugal guys this I, I in my mind is the group to watch three of the best teams the top uh, players obviously uh, as a Germany fan I was I was a little disappointed little little uh, yeah a little sad that we got pulled into this group because I think that if I just think the team isn't quite where it needs to be to go to go far in this tournament. I just I don't know if the mentality is there. I think they're kind of just, you know, giving uh, Yurgi Lu uh, uh, like a farewell tour. Uh, I don't I just don't know if the, the team is ready to compete at a high level and they're going to need to do it right out of the gate to keep up with Portugal and, and France, which. France, in my mind, is, is one of the best, uh, I'd say the best team, the international team to beat. I'm, I'm guessing that they have pretty good odds on winning it all. And, of course, have to play uh, the French again, giving me uh, a little bit of PSG, uh, <laughs> PTSD. But I just – I don't know if Germany is, is where they need to be to go far in this tournament. 
they had a nice, a nice friendly win over a pretty easy opponent uh, earlier this week. Um, but I don't know. I just, I think that there's a, still a lot of questions about who's going to line up where in the roster, um, particularly at midfield where you have the likes of, you know, Kimmich, Gundogan, Goretzka, and Cruz. And, you know, really only three of them can play given the form that they typically take up. So it seems like they're going to move Kimmich over to right back and and keep the other three in the starting lineup at midfield. Um, I don't really like that because I think Kimmich is a, a really important part of the buildup and the attack uh, with some of his passes out of the back. Um, and being in the center of the pitch really allows him to facilitate better in my mind. But, you know, we'll have to see. And as always, I'll be excited. I'll be ready to tune in and watch and, and root uh, for my team. But some of the intensity, some of the uh, just the strength, I don't I don't think is there for the German team this this tournament. I think you're selling them a little bit short just because like, look, I think I would bet a lot of money on France winning this group. Um, but outside of that, I think, you know, Portugal is, I mean, they're a good team, but I don't think it's um, too tall a task uh, for Germany uh, by any stretch. And, you know, um, I don't know anything about Hungary to be honest with you, but I mean, you know, you could do a lot worse in terms of opponents. Um, so, you know, I, I think there's, especially with, potentially three teams coming out of this group. I think there's a path for the Germans. So I'm a little more optimistic than you are on that front. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously with the, you, you'd mentioned with the three, a couple third seeds, will will leave the group. So I, I can definitely imagine Germany leaving their group, but um, I, I don't see them going very far afterward. I'll just clarify that. But KR, your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, Honestly, I feel like Germany is probably in the best form out of the, you know, I'm not going to consider France in this conversation because if they don't win this group, it's an abomination because one, they probably have the best squad on this entire tournament. Two, they have the, you know, the players who are right now working the most well together. Um, You know, it's been a long time since France has like, you know, badly failed. I don't think France has ever, you know, been let down very bad. So um, if it does happen, something has to go wrong. Either like Mbappe, Griezmann, Conte, like their whole team has to get hurt, honestly, for them to do bad, which I don't think is going to happen. So keeping in the context of Portugal, Hungary, and Spain, or Portugal, Hungary, and Germany, uh, I think Germany is probably the second, you know, most fit team I would put on there. Uh, Portugal, again, it's, you know, an elevated squad from when they had previously won the Nations League and the, uh, I think that was the last, like, world tournament that they had. Um, so, obviously, you know, they've got a lot younger players on their team, but so does Germany. And Germany has a couple of players, again, who are just coming off of the Champions League, working well together in the attack. Um, they're known for their defense. You know, they have a veteran by the name of Manuel Neuer, most likely going to be guiding the goalkeepers and you know they have players in the defense who can be the cornerstone. Germany is known to be a defensive team, right? And we know that 
the players that they have have been, you know, known for being difficult for all other opposition. So, um, and, you know, you brought up Kimmich, and I think you should – Kimmich was a right back when he started. Now he's playing midfield, which completely blows my mind too. But um, they have the most flexible players, the most um, – you know, at the same time, they're flexible, but traditional as well. They play by the book, and, and I think that's what's going to lead them to success. Um, and pair that up with a couple of players who have you know, just won trophies and are, are on high morale and high confidence. It might be just what Germany needs. So um, I know they haven't had their way for the last couple of tournaments, so maybe this is a turning point, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah, certainly, certainly like to get some momentum going, but we'll see. I think I would be happy. I would be happy with even like a second or third round exit. I think that would be, you know, something to give us a little bit of momentum with Hansi Flick coming in. Um, I, I, I would I would be happy with just even a mediocre finish like that. But Chris? I mean, you could have had Jurgen Klinsmann and, uh, and said he went with Hansi Flick, but, you know, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, tough call, tough call. <laughs> yeah, but uh, seriously, I think this is an opportunity for Germany to sort of, you know, regroup and you know, try to get one last run under uh, Jurgen Lowe. Um, and I think that that'll be uh, an interesting uh, subplot to follow. All right. Well, to wrap up our, our Euro talk, we'll give you guys, we'll, we'll do a round, we'll see. Uh, who we think is going to win it all. So, Chris, Chris, you want to start us off? Who's who's winning Euro 2020 in 2021? Who is winning Euro 2020 in 2021? Um, well, it, I, I would be hard-pressed to bet against France. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because they won the World Cup in 2018. I mean, this is a team that's young. Uh, I mean, their, their best player, Kylian Mbappe, is still – um, you know, a baby in terms of European football and international football. Um, so, and he's also surrounded by immense talent. I mean, you talk about uh, Griezmann, you talk about, um, you know, players in the midfield like Conte and others. Um, also, don't forget, this is the first time we're seeing Karen Benzema uh, in a France uh, jersey in, was it six years, I think? It's been a while. Uh, so he'll be back there as well. Uh, so that'll be an interesting uh sort of wild card, but in terms of attacking firepower, this is a team that really just puts most of the others to shame, um, even by um, blue blood standards. So I think that France is probably my best bet uh, to win it right now. Okay, your, your thoughts? I think um, this is finally going to be the year it comes home. Uh, I think England is going to be able to uh, – you know, turn a lot of heads in this tournament. Uh, obviously, like we mentioned earlier, they have the group to do it. If they do it, um, they're going to be against, you know, all, uh, half the, half the uh, tournament teams that are there. And who knows, maybe by the time they do advance to the uh, round of uh, 16 or whatever it is, what, what will it be? Four times, one, two, three, four, five, six, whatever, round of 12? I don't know. Well, no, round of 16 has to be. Probably three advance. Round of 16. um, So round of 16, when they do advance, hopefully there will be, you know, maybe, who knows, no Portugal, no Germany, no Spain. If one of those teams isn't there, I think England has a really good chance of doing it. And 
I wouldn't be surprised if, um, you know, they win in, in some sort of fashion where they wouldn't buy penalty kicks or something. Uh, so I think, you know, I have high hopes on England, but I, I have a slight feeling that might be let down in the first game. So we'll see. <laughs> yep. I will. Uh, I'm going to stick with my guy, Chris, over here. I'm going to pick France as well. I think uh, Chris said it well. They play well together. They have, you know, a pretty succinct lineup since winning uh, the uh, World Cup uh, a few years back. I think they have uh, pretty incredible depth um, in terms of uh, a couple positions on the squad where, you know, even when guys like Giroud uh, can go out and somebody like Benzema can hop right in and, and that's that's basically a like for like even when you're going to the bench and um, so I, I'm excited to see them. Uh, I'm a fan of of Griezmann. Uh, I know he's his uh, Barca days haven't necessarily went uh, very well, so I'm kind of looking forward for him to uh, you know uh, move forward on a, on a better foot here and use international play to to bounce back. So I'm, I'm excited definitely to see this, this French team play. Um, and with that, Chris, I think you had a little bit of an update from the MLS for us. That's right. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Um, so my, uh, uh, <laughs> uh you, you like how I just uh, dropped out in the middle there. Uh, so basically the thing with, uh, MLS is, um, for those of you who don't know every year, they do the MLS all-star game where, Instead of, you know, the traditional East, West, AL, NL, whatever uh, the specific sport is, um, I, uh, I I think that, um, you know, they made the right decision here to go and do something new. So instead of having an MLS all-star team play a European team, like um, I think it was four years ago, they played Bayern Munich. A couple years ago, they played Manchester United, you know, different team every year. Um, they decided to get creative and capitalize on the whole USA, Mexico uh rivalry and uh it'll be the mls all-stars against the league mx all-stars um and that's going to be played end of august and um yeah i think it's going to be a really fun match yeah i think that's a good decision too i think that there's a i think there's a better chance that it's a more competitive game a more interesting game to watch i think a lot of times when European teams come to the U.S. either to play, like in the in the format Chris mentioned, play All Stars or to play each other on U.S. soil. I know um, Barca and Real have have uh, done that a couple of times. I think it turns into just kind of an exhibition. Uh, I think that a lot of the intensity is lost. Um, I don't honestly don't know why. Uh, because I think that those games probably sell pretty well. I'm sure those arenas are packed when when European clubs come to play in the U.S., but I don't think the the mentality is the same uh, when the European clubs are coming to play in America, and I think that this is something that should be more entertaining, something that, you know, should bring um, more familiar faces to the match and you know we saw just how good the rivalry is between the U.S. and Mexico um, 
in our our episode that we talked about earlier this week. Um, so I'm I'm pretty excited by this. I'm pretty uh, yeah. I, I think it was a good decision. Carrie, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean we've known this uh, USA and Mexico rivalry kind of blow up, you know, over the last couple of years. I mean we saw it earlier this week when we released the. Uh, First show of the week uh, when we talked about U.S.'s win in the uh, CONCAF Nations League, so um, which was again between U.S.A. and Mexico, a thriller nonetheless. So it's you know only fitting to have the best MLS players go against the best um, players from the Mexican League, and I think it's going to be you know one that probably brings out the most fans from both sides too. Um, you know, with the MLS, the old MLS All Star Game. We usually had players who would, or fans who would come out to watch European teams rather than MLS fans, right? So this is going to bring out fans from both leagues, and I think this would be a great way to grow the sport, you know, give the fans what they kind of want, and spark a new type of tradition in the MLS All Star Game. So I hope it goes all well. Um, I have no doubts, but you know, I'll, I'll be watching or at least trying to get a glimpse of the games to see if it's exciting or not. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, from an MLS fan perspective, um, the big difference with this is, you know, with the European format kind of felt like a, I mean, it kind of is, but especially more so it felt like an exhibition game. Like that didn't really mean anything. It was a warm up game for them. Um, you know, and it just didn't feel that important the last couple of years. I didn't even watch it. And I'm as big of an MLS fan as you'll find just cause like, you know, I don't really care about exhibition, but any American soccer fan will tell you, uh, there's no such thing as a friendly when it comes to USA, Mexico, be it a senior national team, youth national team, or in this case, you know, clubs sort of acting as like uh, proxy teams. Um, I think that's going to be a really interesting uh, form format. And I think it's going to be uh, something that fans on both sides can get engaged in. Um, and I think it's going to be exciting to watch. So I'm looking forward for that. All right. Well, with that, I think we're going to call it for this evening. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, sorry, we didn't, we didn't give you your chance, Chris. I know you love your, your couple seconds of fame at the beginning of every episode to plug all the oh, hard yeah. work that you do on our, on our social media. Oh, and I think you're muted, Chris. You mean the social media I've been locked out of twice in the past <laughs> month, which is why it's been so dead as of late. But I got the problem fixed, and uh, you'll be seeing more stuff there now. So um yeah at polar fc pod on twitter um give us a follow there we'll keep you posted with new episodes and all that stuff so you want to keep it locked over there all right looking forward to it follow us on twitter shoot us a dm tell us how good chris looks in his no sleeve shirts i mean it it's it's a wonder that we've been able to have these last couple episodes with you with you rocking with those guns out chris. well it's not my fault it's like 95 degrees in new jersey uh jacob <laughs> And my uh, home studio is the hottest room in my house. So, you know, come me some slack. No, no, no. You you get all the slack. I, I'm just saying <laughs> I, I'm entertaining. I'm entertained by it. I'm having a good time over here. Okay. All right. We're, we're having a good time over here at Polar FC. Now, Jacob, uh, you know that um, it's not make fun of Chris Day until Friday, uh, specifically oh, Friday nights at 9 p.m. on Twitch. Uh, uh, so. Come on. Sorry, I, uh, I must have gotten my calendar wrong. But <laughs> tune in Friday nights on Twitch for uh, another podcast 
on the Polar Media channel. Can we just talk fun times with Chris and I talking about uh, random stories going popular on the internet? And of course, usually there are some jabs at at Chris, but some. we like to keep it. We some. like to keep it pretty. No, positive. I know. I know it's all. I know it's all in fun. I'm not actually upset. Okay. Good. Yeah. Until the camera's off. No, uh, yeah, then the, then you know all bets are off. Then he's gonna use those biceps that he's showing I, I, off. I don't know if I could. No, I'm I'm not even gonna <laughs> respond to that. All right, well that'll do it for us tonight. Thanks everybody for uh, listening along, and we hope to hear you again next week. Have a nice night.